Hi, this is Bethany Rooney. I am the co-author of Directors Tell the Story. I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 185 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the TV, movie, or music industry. This week... We have a great guest coming away. Last week, our guest was Emmy-winning director Mary Lou Belli, co-author of Directors Tell the Story. This week, we have her co-author, director Bethany Rooney, who has directed more hits than you can shake a stick at, including Desperate Housewives, Ugly Betty, Allie McBeal, Revenge, and the list just goes on and on and on. Bethany will be joining us in just a few minutes right here at On Screen and Beyond. But until then, uh, we have an amazing lineup of guests coming your way in the next couple of weeks. So I hope you're going to stick around and listen each week to find out who our guests are. And right now, it's time to check out what's coming your way in theaters and on DVD in the month of November. It's that time once again. And we'll start with Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well... There are no remakes coming your way in November. That's right. It's amazing. It hasn't happened very often, but, uh, you know, maybe that's a good thing. So let's just move on and check out what's coming your way on upcoming movies next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming movies, well, it looks like Tower Heist with Eddie Murphy will be hitting theaters on November 4th. And on November 9th, Clint Eastwood's J. Edgar, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, makes its way to the big screen. And look for Carnage on November 18th with stars Jodie Foster, Kate Winslet, and John C. Riley. And on November 18th, also check out The Descendants with George Clooney. And look for Arthur Christmas on November 23rd. That's it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we go down to Sequel City and find out what's coming away as far as sequels coming your way in November. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well... Coming your way in November, it looks like November 4th, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas arrives in theaters. And on November 18th, Happy Feet 2 dances its way into theaters and with an all-star cast, including Robin Williams once again. Also on November 18th, the Twilight Saga continues with Breaking Dawn Part 1 and the Muppets invade the big screen once again on November 23rd. That is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On... TV on DVD, coming your way in November.
TV on DVD coming your way in November. It looks like November 1st. You can look for Californication Season 4. Heart to Heart Till Death Do Us Heart. Hell's Kitchen Season 6. Mr. Sunshine, the complete series. And Rawhide Season 4, Volume 2. November 8th, look for Law and Order, the complete series. Mr. Magoo on TV Collection. And The Wild Thornberries Season 2, Part 1. November 15th, Aspen, the miniseries, and DVD and Blu-ray comes your way, along with Being Human, Season 1, Farscape, Season 1, 2, 3, and 4, and the complete series on Blu-ray. And Medic, the complete series, makes its way with Richard Boone, and It Takes a Thief, the complete series. And on November 22nd, look for The Gene Autry Show, Season 6, The L Word, complete series, and Macmillan and Wife, the complete series, Perry Mason Season 6, Volume 2, and The Superhero Squad, The Infinity Gauntlet, Volume 2. November 29th, look for 30 Rock, Season 5, Hot in Cleveland, Season 2, Mission Impossible, Season 1, that's the 1988 series, and The Six Million Dollar Man, Season 1, and also look for Smallville, Season 10, the final season. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in November. Next on On Screen and Beyond, movies coming out on DVD in November. Next. <laughs> movies on DVD. Well, November 1st, look for Cars 2, Crazy Stupid Love, and Water for Elephants. On November 11th, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 comes your way. On November 15th, Larry Crown hits DVD. And November 22nd, Conan the Barbarian and... Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, Super 8. November 29th, look for Our Idiot Brother to come your way. That's it for movies coming your way in November on DVD. And it is now time for our talk with Bethany Rooney, co-author of Directors Tell the Story. And she has done an amazing amount of directing of hit shows, one after another, Desperate Housewives, Alan McBeal, Revenge, all sorts of others. And we're going to talk about all of those. We're going to talk about her book, The Directors Tell the Story. It's all coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, Castle, Rizzolian Isles. It may sound like this week's top TV picks, but they are actually shows that my guest today has directed. Some of her other shows include Brothers and Sisters, Drop Dead Diva, Weeds, Ugly Betty, St. Elsewhere, and many, many more. She is the co-author of Directors Tell the Story. It's Bethany Rooney. Bethany, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. What an array of hit TV shows you have worked on. And, and I, I just touched this, the very tip of the iceberg. You, you have an incredible amount of shows that you've directed. Thank you. I, I feel very blessed to be still here and still working and not only surviving but thriving because it's a hard business to survive in. Yeah. So thanks for appreciating that. Yeah. And, and like you say, people should definitely go look and see all the shows because, I mean, there's so many favorites that, that people will Thank say, you. oh, I didn't even realize it, you know. But uh, this obviously shows that, you know, you do know what you're talking about in your book, which uh, is called The Directors Tell the Story. Uh, so what motivated you to write a book about directing? Honestly, I would often go onto a set because I'm a freelance director. There would have been another director before me or many before me. 
and I would hear from cast and crew how deplorable their um, their work was, whether it was they were deficient in knowing how to, to design shots or whether they didn't know how to communicate with actors or whatever it would have been. Um, very often it's that uh, the directors do not prep and they're just kind of making it up on the fly, which I, I, I took personally and was deeply offended by because I feel like that is a huge, huge part of our job. And I began to be so perturbed about that, and I'm so passionate on the other side about directing. I think I have the best job in the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, that I thought, well, you know, rather than complain, I'm just going to write down everything I know, and maybe I can help solve that problem. My whole way of directing is to make it a love fest all the way, because People are putting themselves creatively on the line, especially actors, and they're vulnerable. And the best way for them to feel free and creative is to love them as much as you can and to be supportive of them and to let them feel that the direction that you're giving them will only make them look better um, and that they can trust you. Yeah. And not only is that what's best happening on my set with actors, but also with the crew, I want to... Uh, you know, appreciate every single person and and what they do. And when they see that that's the way it's going to be, everybody pulls together and everybody's happy and everybody's putting in their best work. And um, that works incredibly well. I do it because it's the right thing to do. But also, boy, it's incredibly efficient as well. Yeah, I would think that, you know, if people are happy, then things are going to go faster they're going to feel better about what they're doing and and the book tells okay here's how you can set up a, a an angle for a, a certain you know shot and things like that it's 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 very interesting and really a step-by-step -step manual more or less yeah i i think we walked uh, mary lou belli and i walked a, a good line there between really really basic and um really advanced i think whether you're you've never anything before or whether you're an experienced director i think you, you can get a lot out of this book now for you what do you feel is the toughest part of directing mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, a myriad of answers run through my brain okay. um, i would say honestly it's that there it's a collaborative effort in the best way and it's a collaborative effort in the worst way because the worst way is you're pleasing a lot of bosses. Not only do you have the um, showrunner, writer, creator, you have um, line producers who are concerned about, you know, making the day on time. That's not really the hard part. The hard part is then you're also responding to video and network concerns. And there's a lot of people you have to please. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that makes for a stressful situation. And also the business runs a lot, uh, not only on money, but on fear. And so it's hard to combat that. You know, when you're try trying to, directing is about having a singular vision, and it's hard to have a singular vision when you know that, you know, many, many, many people are watching dailies and, and criticizing and saying, is this character going the right way, or is it, are these the kind of shots that, tell our story or not. Um, so being somewhat between a rock and a hard place there as an episodic director is, I think, the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. Is that difficult to um, go into a show that 
Um, and I don't know, maybe some of the shows you've actually started from the beginning, or maybe you've just come in in the middle of the series or something. But um, is it difficult to know? Do you do study? Uh, you know, study the the show before you start directing, to so you know the the nuances of the characters, or do you rely on the actors to just continue with their part, or how does that work? You know, because you're, you're stepping in and you may not have even seen the show before. Well, that's part of the prep of a director. Um, the production company helps you with that. If it's been going on for some time, um, what generally what happens is the company will send me uh, any DVDs of episodes they have for that season and any scripts that they have after that that they can't yet show me the finished product. So that may mean that I have to watch, you know, seven episodes and read five scripts, but that's okay. That's part of the deal. It's part of the job for me to come in and know what this show is about on a storytelling level, and it's also part of my job to know what their visual style is as well. And, of course, there will be producers there who will talk to me about that. But my job is to give the showrunner and the network, the buyer, their show. I'm not there to reinvent their wheel. So, um, obviously, I try to be as creative as I can be within that paradigm but I have to know the show really well, and I have to embrace the show a thousand percent. Even if I go into it thinking, uh, you know, this is not the world's best show. I leave there thinking I just made the world's best episode of that show. You have mm-hmm. to. You have to have the enthusiasm and commitment. Yeah. Have you have you ever gone into a show and really hated the show? I mean, of course, you couldn't say that, but, I mean, have you really, you know, not liked the show? <laughs> um, No, because uh, I'm in the... Um, good enough place that I can turn down work that I don't want to do, which I don't want to do anything negative or violent or, um, you know, is is just a piece of material that espouses the kind of life values that I espouse. So I just turn those shows down. Ah, okay, yeah. So you you can well, like I say, you've <laughs> you've done so many now. You can pretty much pick and choose. I'm sure. Well, well, you know, the to some degree, but. You know, I'm a freelancer. I'm for hire like anybody else. I'm just really fortunate that I get to keep working. Why is it that um, the the shows don't start with a director and just continue with that one director all the time? Is there a reason why that doesn't happen? Well, truthfully, the best you could do would be have three rotating directors because in the process there's prep, shoot, and post. So while one director is prepping, one is shooting, and one is in post-production. However, that would, um, that doesn't very often happen because you would need to put those three directors under contract, Mm -hmm. and people don't want to pay to put three directors under contract. Very often they'll put one on, and that person is a producer director who is meant to supervise the other directors. But the real, real underlying reason there is because directors get so uh, close to cast and crew and an integral part of the shooting team, um, they essentially earn everyone's trust and therefore have more power. So if that power is is uh, spread among a number of directors, then nobody gets too powerful. I see. Okay. All right. So it's a, <laughs> a power <Sorry>. play. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, uh, that's the... That's the real underlying reason, I think. Yeah. Not very often spoken of. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it, you know, it, it would make sense that the, you know, that's they don't want anybody having too much power. Uh, 
when the producers spread through the entire production, there's people who come and go. Um, the producers need to retain the power. I understand that. Right, yeah. In all the different shows that you've been on, is there any one that's uh, your favorite that you enjoyed? Maybe not the most popular show, but the one that that you enjoyed doing the most? Honestly, I always say that, and it's absolutely true, I'm not trying to not answer your question, but whatever I'm working on right now, because I have to embrace it fully, mm-hmm. is yeah. my favorite show. And right now, while I'm talking to you, I'm in the editing room of Revenge, having just finished uh, wrapped episode number nine on Monday. So right now, this moment, Revenge is my favorite show. Wow. And it's doing very well, isn't it? It's a very popular. Yes. Yes. It got to pick up for the back nine. And, um, yeah, it's turning into a good contender for ABC. Wow. That's great. Gee. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So do you, I'm just trying to get an idea of how this works. When you finish a show or do a couple of shows on that that show, um, do you start looking for another another job for directing, or do they approach you, or how does that work? Well, directors have agents just like actors do, okay. and um, there's basically two hiring times, one in May, when after the shows get their pickups and producers usually book up the first part of their season and then wait to see how those directors work out on the show and then the second hiring stage um, is coming up in like in November where the shows have gotten their pickups and producers can then hire people um, for the spring time mm-hmm. um, so uh, I was fortunate enough to get fairly booked up into 2012 and I'm hoping that um, shows that that got a back nine or perhaps even new shows or new mid-season shows um, will come my way you know for the spring yeah is it are there any shows that are on TV right now that you would you would just love to get a hold of and and, and try to guide them no I'm very happy uh, doing the shows that I've been doing I mo- mostly work for ABC so far this this early in the season, I've done Good Christian Bells, Private Practice, and Revenge. So those are all three great shows to work on. Oh, yeah. How did you and Mary Lou get together to write the book? <laughs> she, uh, We had a friend in common who was a showrunner on a show called South of Nowhere that was for Nickelodeon. And this showrunner asked, if, uh, asked me if somebody could come shadow me, meaning hang out on set and observe what I do and try to learn, and it was Mary Lou. So because she'd come from sitcoms and was, you know, as you know from speaking with her, immensely experienced in sitcoms but didn't have much up in the way of single-camera films. Mm -hmm. So um, she came and hung out with me on set and learned and observed and was a terrific shadow, actually. Um, And we became friends because of that. And 
because she had been previously published twice before, one with her sitcom career success book and one with, I think it's called Acting for Young People, mm-hmm. um, she, uh, and, and understood the craft of that and, and the structure of that, when I said, oh, you know what, I really, really, really want to write this book, I approached her to do it with me, um, and we were a good writing team. Yeah, like you say, it's a very interesting book. And uh, Thank you. Now that you've done one book, do you feel you've got more that you can come out with for for books? Regarding directing, you mean? Or whatever. <laughs> Are you, have you got the writing bug now? Or <laughs> Well, I, I before wrote one screenplay that was produced, a TV movie for Lifetime. Um, and, of course, I have many other screenplays tucked away in the drawer that nobody's ever seen mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and um and a half-finished novel and all of that um so yes i've always had the writing bug but i can see doing more along this path in the future because um because i care about it so much because i'm so passionate about it because i love directing and i hope to help other people do it really well yeah well our show deals a lot with uh independent films and filmmakers and things like that also and um it's this is really uh, a good book for somebody who you know like you say either is just starting out to give them some direction or for somebody who has been you know trying to make films along the way and needs a little little tuning or or something because uh you know i mean who else can you learn more from than two great directors thank you i you know um I think even if you're an independent filmmaker, you can benefit from this book because even though there's a lot that that has to do with the world of episodic television, mm-hmm. we do you know we do the same process right. that any feature filmmaker does. We just do it in uh, chunks of eight days and seven, eight, or nine days. That's pretty much um, how much we get to do each episode in hours worth, or really forty-one minutes worth. Um, so uh, whether no matter how you approach it, if you want to direct, and what, like you say, whether you're experienced or not, I think there's a lot to offer here. I hope there is. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is that, and, and maybe I'm going to say a bad thing here, I don't know, but I don't want to say that directing is directing, but it is. You know, I mean, whether you're directing uh, a TV or, or a sitcom or a drama or a movie it's all the same thing, and, and basically, like you say, you're doing it faster than what a uh, a big Hollywood movie is doing, and what you're doing looks just as good. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think the work that we do in television is remarkable. Oh yeah, um, and very good storytelling. So um, yeah, I've, and I have so much training in it. I've, I'm coming up on 200 hours of. Um, single camera film or digital, <laughs> as wow. the case may be. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of feature directors who directed 200 hours worth. Yeah. So I, I just have a lot of experience to speak from. So how did you become a director? I started as a secretary on a show called The White Shadow very long time yes, ago. Yes, I remember that show. <laughs> Ken, Ken Howard. Yeah, and I got that because one person from my college who was three years ahead of me, had previously gotten a job there at MTM, Mary Tyler Moore Productions. Mm -hmm. So uh, I worked as Bruce Paltrow and Mark Tinker's secretary on The White Shadow, and three and a half years later, they created a show called Saint Elsewhere, 
And at that point, Bruce promoted me to associate producer, which meant I was responsible for all the post-production, mm-hmm. supervising the editors, sound, picture, color, music. Um, and uh, I kept bugging Bruce to give me an opportunity to direct, and he kept saying, you're not ready, you're not ready. And I'd say, what do you mean I'm not ready? I've taken acting classes for five years. I supervise post-production, so I know how to visually tell a story. Uh, I'm on set as much as I can be, and basically he meant I was young and and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. But when I was 28, he gave me an episode of St. Elsewhere to direct in the fourth season. Wow. And that's how I got my start. I mean, what better place to start than on a huge hit like that? I mean, geez. Yeah, yeah. And it was such wonderful writing and such wonderful actors. You know, it really could not have been a better place. And we knew at the time it was kind of a magical place to be. Yeah. And Bruce was known for giving people their opportunity, and I'm, I'm very grateful still. To Is him. it difficult for? Uh, do you feel it's difficult for a woman to get into it? Because let's face it, uh, it it's sort of like a boys' club, isn't it? Well, the most recent st- statistics from the DGA is that uh, I think from 2009, <laughs> pardon me, is that um, in single camera hour dramas on network television. There, the percentage of women directors is 11%. So, yeah, it's a, a bit difficult because because we're not in the boys' club. Yeah. yeah. Having said that, um, I really can cannot complain, can I? Um, right. <laughs> because I'm the uh, I'm the beneficiary of getting to work, and sometimes I'm the only woman in a staff of directors, and so. Uh, I I just started it at the right time in the right place, I think, yeah. to give me that leg up. Satan Elsewhere, you know, wonderful writing. And, and all the, the – I'm just looking over the list right now, and I'm trying to look for a a dud <laughs> uh-huh. as far as the writing. But all the shows you have done have incredible writing, like Touched by an Angel, The Wonder Years, Allie McBeal, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman – the, the writing is so good on those shows. Yeah. Aren't I lucky? Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, Boy. If, you know, I can sometimes, if I want to to be critical of my work, I can say, well, it's all kind of in the same genre, meaning it's family dramas. I don't do procedural. I don't do um, violence. I don't do law and order kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because those are... Uh, more male-oriented things. I mean, I love to direct stunts. I just don't get to do it that often. On the other hand, it really speaks to my strength, which is uh, understanding performance and understanding human dynamics and caring about the little moments that are really huge, gigantic moments. So I'm really, really blessed to have worked in the family drama genre all these years. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it reminds me of a Paul McCartney song called Silly Love Songs. I don't know if you, oh, you, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. how he says, you know, uh, some people want to fill the world with the silly love songs, and what's wrong with that? <laughs> I am totally down with that. I am such a Pollyanna. I just want to spread sunshine, you know, because the world needs it. And so I'm, I feel really lucky to get to do that on the shows that I do. Yeah, they're shows that everybody enjoys. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. What would be the number one advice that you had for somebody who wanted to pursue directing? 
do it, do it, do it, do it. Don't talk about it. Do it. Because now you can pick up any, um, you know, small little video camera mm-hmm. and make a movie, and you can cut it on iMovie or right. uh, Final Cut. Um, I also would say read, 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 read as much as you can. Travel the world. Understand human psychology because so much of what a director does is being a psychologist, really, in, in terms of understanding the script and understanding how the characters behave and why they behave that way, and then understanding in person when you're working with these people, actors or crew or producers, uh, interacting with them. Like I said, it's such a collaborative business that you really, really have to have a good handle on being a psychologist. Um, so that's it. Uh, you know, Study human behavior. Read everything you can get your hands on. Just be a, a well-rounded person and pick up a camera and go. And, I, and I'll add one more thing to that. Read directors tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That's perfect. I just want to finish up with two final questions. Mm-hmm. And now this is this is a difficult question to ask to a director. But when you're done directing and you're relaxing, what do you enjoy watching for TV shows? Or what's your all-time favorite TV shows? Put it that way. Hmm. Gosh, I don't know. I'll tell you right now, uh, I watch Modern Family, Parks and Recreation, Boardwalk Empire. Um, those are the three that come to mind right at this moment. Yeah. That's what I'm watching these days. Yeah. What about movies? What's your favorite movies of all time? Oh, goodness. Oh. That always throws a loop at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, geez. I don't know. I, I think I'd have to fall back on a really oldie but goodie. Or the thing, one of the things, there were two movies that were a huge influence on me growing up. One was Gone with the Wind, because mm-hmm. like, it got reissued in the 1960s, and I saw it in the theater. And the other one um, was Romeo and Juliet, Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo uh, and yeah. Juliet. Yeah. So those were the two films that made me go as a child, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever thought of trying to go out and direct a movie? Well, sure. Everybody thinks about it, but there's there really is uh, it's a difficult path to navigate that just hasn't opened up for me. Mm-hmm. And a long time ago, I just decided to see the bright side of the fact that I do television in that I get to do what I love to do all of the time. I'm not spending time, you know, trying to develop and get investors and you right, know yeah. that whole core yeah. road um i get to actually direct all the time and i love it and i love that a lot of people see it yeah. so um, i'm a tv baby and proud of it yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah exactly sure. and now um i know this past weekend you had uh signings for the book didn't you we did yeah yes, uh, thank you i remember Mary Lee was talking about that do you have any more that are scheduled coming up that people might want to know about or Oh, right now, no, we don't. Not yet, um, okay. But thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe in the future. I, what we're both, both Mary Lou and I are about to do is um, travel to universities and stuff to support the book. Anybody, any professor who's using it, um, you know, mm-hmm. we would gladly show up and tell you whatever ever we can, whatever we know. Yeah. Do either of you have a website that people can check on to find out if you're going to be signing at some place or anything? Or? Um, both of us have a website. Mine is bethanyrooney.com. That's mm-hmm. easy. 
Uh, I think Mary Lou's is sitcomsuccess.com. Okay, and, and do you update that to let people know if you're going to be doing an appearance? Sometimes? Yes, then there's also a Facebook page that you can go on for directors tell the story. Ah, okay. And it would certainly be there. All right, great. Well, well, what we'll do is we'll put a link on that on our website so people can go to it and find out. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. All right. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome, Brian. Thank you for reading the book and saying good things about it. I appreciate it a lot. Well, I want to thank Bethany so much, Bethany Rooney, for taking the time to talk to us. She's a fascinating person and a great director. Be sure to check out her book, Directors Tell the Story, and uh, we'll have a link right on our webpage at onscreenandbeyond.com where you can click on that and go and get it. And if you're interested in directing, this is a must. You should have this book. Next week, well, we have another great guest coming your way, and I uh, hope you're going to be joining us. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Thank you.